0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm your DJ and host, Sam Wilson Jr., as I bring you the history of Black music, gospel, jazz, blues, old-school classic soul, old-school hip-hop, today's hip-hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro-Latina, Blue-Eyed Soul, disco, Go-Go, Lion Dances, and the Lost 45s. So come with me as I take you on a trip to the history of Black music right now on the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and this is the Black Soul Music Experience. On this episode, I had a pleasure to talk with my friend, my Truman classmate, that we have both graduated from Truman High School in the Bronx, New York, back in the year of 1985, and she is also my former church member at Community Protestant Church in the Bronx, New York. Back then, she once worked for Essence Magazine, where she got a chance to see all of the singers, whether it's soul, R&B, hip hop, and jazz. And she also got a chance to see some of the actors and actresses in both motion pictures and television, and yes, from the Broadway stage. And I'll have to ask her, what is she doing now? I am very delighted to get a chance to chat with my friend, and I hope you enjoyed this interview too, as I bring you my special guest, my friend and classmate, Miss Kim Smith. Welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson, Jr., and I have a very special guest on my program. She is my classmate from Truman High School in the Bronx, New York, and we were both church members at Community Protestant Church in the Bronx, New York. She is my friend, my classmate, my church member all in all. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I would like to bring to you my guest on the Black Soul Music Experience podcast, Ms. Kim Smith. Hi, Kim, how you doing?
1: Hi, Sam, thank you so much for that introduction. I am well and I am very happy to be part of this conversation about music. I can't wait to get into it.
0: Well, thank you for coming on to my podcast. You know, I've been struggling to get guests when I first started it in two years. So, you know, the old saying is not easy, but you never know.
1: And consistency is key. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. And everything will fall into place.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for the compliment. So, as always, I always ask the question because, you know, the audience would like to know who you are and where you're originally from. So where are, are you originally from? Are you from the Bronx or are you from other parts of New York City?
1: Um, I'm originally from the Bronx. I um, spent maybe a short amount of time as a infant in Harlem, but most of my upbringing was in the Bronx. So I consider myself
0: a Bronxite. All right. So I'm, you know, I live in the Bronx, but I wasn't born in the Bronx. I'm originally from Harlem. So I had lived in Harlem and then moved to the Bronx in 1969 and then moved back to Harlem in 1972 and then moved back to the Bronx in 1973. And And here I am. I'm still here in the Bronx, still in the Bronx, everything. So, but I've been moved around a Bronx a lot of times.
1: Okay. Well, it sounds like you're a an official Bronxite to me too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the old saying. Even though I live in the Bronx, but I'm originally from Harlem, so I'm still a Harlem boy. You know, born and bred. So I never forgotten. So let's talk about our memories at Community Protestant Church. So. You know, I know you have some memories as as much as I have, so let's let's share with that.
1: Okay. So yeah, no, I mean such an important part of who I am today, um, Reverend Owens, who is still <laughs> the head pastor at Community Protestant was um my first introduction to church after we moved to co-op city Um, and i would love to say that between the after school program i'm not sure if you were part of that but the after school program which i was a part of from like i don't know third grade to maybe sixth grade (laughs) um, i met a lot of really great members from the church who became like family. Um and I'm not going to list them, but I'm sure you know if I, you know, mentioned people like the Bakers, the Bowmans, you know, the list goes on and on and I would say that my early childhood memories of um Community Protestant are nothing but joy. Nothing but joy. Um After going away to college and then moving, you know, I switched churches, but I never, ever forgot about Community Protestant. I still keep in touch with Pastor Owens. Um, And, yeah, no, it definitely created a great foundation for my trajectory into school as well as business.
0: Yes. So even though I wasn't uh, part of the after school program, but I became a member back in 1978, that was the same year that my late mother, she, we became a member. And then the same day, my little sister, she had a little baby dedication. So it was like all in threes. So we we're we all in that in one particular thing. So I remember then, you know, during Sunday school, um when when they started doing Black History Month, you know, when they they had guest professors from different colleges and universities, and then they had the second half, they would have our choir will let us know who were their favorite musical influences. And then on the third part, you know, they would do arts and crafts. So even though we don't do it that much, but as today we're still continuing that same tradition of Black History Month, you know, from our former superintendents of Mrs. Ellison and Miss Jackson. So we have our present superintendents, of my new chairman of the Deacon ministry, Deacon Tipall and Deacon Nicholson. So we're still continuing it, you know, even though we don't have that much youth students, but, you know, they still continue on, you know, giving us their presentation of who they like and who they look up to and they represent and, and things like that.
1: That's that's amazing. And I just want to add one thing. I would also like to say that community Protestant created my longest lasting friendships. So my closest friends who I look at as sisters were all part of the community Protestant family. And so that speaks volumes because we're talking the 70s from the 70s right until 2023 these are relationships that have withstood the test of time so
0: yes yes same thing here you know meaning from the late 70s and 80s and 90s all the way up to the present you know even though um, I don't get a chance to get in touch with everybody, but I try to do the best as I can. As a church deacon, you know, I always try to reach out to those that, you know, if I don't see anybody, you know, in the sanctuary, you know, I will call. That was something that my late mother would be doing. If she didn't see anybody in the church, she would call. And now it fall on my lap. You know, the old saying, you know, family tradition. It's kind of like, you know, when my late oldest sister will always remind mom of something, but then after she passed away, now I fell on my lap. It's saying, Sam, remind me. I was like, I wasn't paying close attention. I was just looking through the windows and and things like that. So that was me, you know. um, You know, I'm not like, you know, my other, my late oldest sister or other family siblings i'm just me you know mm-hmm. it's like the old saying you know take it or leave it if i offended anybody except my apologies that's that's who i am even though i'm a very quiet person but i do get the job done
1: you're absolutely a gift to not only the church but to anyone who comes across because you 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 follow through like you said you get the job done and the baton has been passed to you so you know and you're doing a great job so we appreciate you sam (laughs) we we do appreciate you i just needed to put that out there
0: well thank you for the compliment now let's talk about some of the memories at truman high school and i'm i still have my yearbook from 1985 you know Every time I keep looking at the pictures when I first went there as a freshman in 1981, you know, I was from another school, not from Co-op City, but outside Co-op City. And my first experience in Truman High School, I'm like, what's this? I, I see everybody wearing their fashion coats and I'm, I'm me wearing a plaid shirt and things like that. I I keep saying to myself, is this fashion school or this is a school of learning? I'm like, What's going on here? In the '80s, I see everybody wearing leather bombers and sheepskin coats, and then I see sneakers unlaced. I was like, something going on here. So I, I don't know if you remember my class, our classmate Anthony Gray. Uh, we was talking about you know the latest hip hop fashion, you know sneakers, you know sneakers like unlaced. And then I see, um, you know, Lake warmers, you know, the ladies be wearing Lake warmers. And then 1984, I had to wear these sleeveless shirts, muscle bound shirts that my mom was wearing. You know, she was up in the fashion too. I was like saying, I don't want to wear this sleeveless shirt. You know, I still can't get no dates and And then I see all the ladies dressing up, you know, whether they're dressing up as Madonna or Tina Turner or Cindy Lauper, those sort of things. I was like, is this fashion school? I mean, what's going on here, and things like that. Especially when you come in class, you'll be like, yo, what's up? Yo, you got the homework? Yo, let me get the paper and stuff like that. (laughs) I was like, what is this?
1: yeah no we definitely had an array of fashionistas. We definitely were immersed in the culture, but we were also a very diverse school, which I completely appreciated. Things have really changed now, but I remember um being in the honors program, and most of my classes, I was one of maybe three or four African Americans in the class out of 20 something, 20 plus, 20 plus, 30 plus. And so we had had the hip hop scene going on. We also had a huge um, presence of um, so many other cultures from the Indian culture to the Jewish culture. And so I I could truly say that I wouldn't have changed that for the world. I would not have changed that for the world.
0: Yeah. Same thing here. You know, it's just a lot of diversity. You just mentioned it was hip hop fashion, you know, Jewish culture, Indian culture, Asian culture, and and Caribbean culture. So, you know, just like you said, it was all diversity. You know, we represent different uh, cultures and nationalities. Now, after you graduated from truman what college did you went to
1: so i attended the howard university also known as the mecca of black education black excellence it's located in washington dc and that's the college i attended as well as graduated from so i'm a graduate of howard university
0: Because every time I I hear about Howard University in D.C., you know, um, I always think about that they had a college radio station, W-H-U-R and W-H-U-T, because every October since 1998, I'd be traveling down to visit, you know, my paternal cousins on my late father's side of the family. I'd be staying with them, you know, for my birthday vacation and we would, you know. We would I would go with them, you know, whether it's, you know, bowling alleys or different clubs and things like that. That was back then. So when after I had went to my black and white middleton reunion in two thousand six, the following year, two thousand seven, I got a chance to visit some of the black and white middletons and I would be in the nation's capital. I'll be around the nation's capital getting the chance to you know learn how to take the metro subway and, and things like that because you know i'm getting used to these areas as well as seeing capitol hill and the washington monument now this was not new i remember it back in 1974 when my mom and i we was just leaving from virginia and she was on her vacation in august we was on a continental trailways bus and when we got to washington dc and i see Now, the same places that I watch on the evening news every night when you see the Washington Monument or the Lincoln Memorial or Capitol Hill, now I get a chance to see everything, the same thing that I see on the evening news every night. I was like, wow, now I get a chance to see the real Washington, D.C., just like I watch it on the news every night. Yes. Yes.
1: That that it was a treat living in the, the capital. Um yeah. I, I can't even it's actually my second favorite city in the United States and for the reasons that you just described, the architecture. The architecture is I would say New York is the only place compatible. <laughs> um definitely was a great experience living in, in
0: D.C. Now, while you was at Howard University, what was your major?
1: OK, funny you should ask because you kind of touched on it. You mentioned WHUR and you also mentioned that the local the college station was WHBC. Um, and so my major turned out to be communications. Um, Communications management specifically, but that included journalism, media, production, the list goes on. Um, I did not intend on majoring in communications. Quite honestly, I didn't even know such a major existed until I landed on the campus of Howard. I went to Howard to be a, a political science major with the expectation of going to law school because I was a huge fan of Thurgood Marshall and everything that he represented. And the fact that he went to Howard Law School, I wanted to emulate that through going to undergrad as well as law school. But once I settled on campus and it was time to take electives, I decided to take a elective at the radio station. I worked at WHBCU, excuse the HBC. Um, and I got bit by the bug, let's just say. (laughs) And I spent so much time working to perfect, um, my learning, learning everything about the radio world that, um, within a year I switched majors and became a communications major. So, that was my major. I entered communication, the School of Communications, my, excuse me, my junior year and graduated um, from the School of Communications, also known as the School of C. Um, yeah, and so that was my major and that's pretty much um, the career I've had in the world of communication since graduating.
0: Now, uh, the next question I wanted to ask you was being in the media, was going into the media business your calling?
1: Unexpectedly, absolutely. Like I said, when I went to like, i would never dreamed to major or go to college to be in media, but, you know, I call it divine intervention. By taking that elective and working for the school, I mean, for the radio, the local radio station. Because there were actually um, two stations on campus, as we discussed. There was the local, which was the college station, and then there was the commercial station, which was WHUR, which broadcast all over the DC metropolitan area. And I catapulted, I, I was able to experience both. But I think the divine intervention came when I took the elective of working in at the college radio station. And with the likes of people like Frederica Whitfield from um, CNN and um, Michelle Miller, who's, I mean, CBS, excuse me, morning show on the weekends. And so, yeah, I, I can't say it was a calling initially but let me just say it was a blind calling <laughs> it was divine intervention and once i got exposed to it i knew that's where i wanted to be uh
0: now let's talk about your days at essence magazine i remember back in the days when i would be hearing on soul train that says And for the ladies, a paid subscription to Essence Magazine, the magazine for the day's Black woman. Now, how many years have you worked at Essence Magazine?
1: 17. (laughs) I was there for uh, 17. I was hired in 2000. And I left in 2017. So 17 years.
0: Now, how many uh, music artists that came through the doors at Essence Magazine, uh, were they there for like, for an interview or just for a photo shoot?
1: Um, so there were many artists that came through the doors and whenever I was available or if business required it, if, if my end of the business required it, of course, I would meet, take photos with, and they would be there for different reasons. They would be there for interviews, they would be there to pitch, they may have an idea for a story or a product that they're launching, um, and we'd have meetings with them. Or they could be one of the spokespeople for one of the clients that we would have, one of the advertisers. Um, one of the advertisers that supported Essence, Essence.com, Essence Music Festival, which is now called Essence Festival of Culture. But um they would be there on behalf of the clients that they were spokespeople for. So there there were different reasons that they would show up to the office. And of course, if it was someone that I truly admired, or if it made good business sense for me to be in those meetings, I absolutely would be there and we have photographers on staff (laughs) and of course it's a you know magazine (laughs) um and so yeah pictures were part of were par for the course
0: okay very interesting all right we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back and we'll talk with more with my friend and truman classmate and former church member kim smith we're going to talk about more about essence and what she's doing right now you're listening to the black soul music experience i'm sam wilson jr and i just want to say thank you for tuning in to my music podcast the black soul music experience podcast where i bring you the history of black music gospel Jazz, blues, old school classic soul, old school hip hop, today's hip hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro Latina, blue-eyed soul, disco, go-go, line dances, and the lost '45s. This year, it's going to be different. Where I'm going to be doing all the talking. And I'll be bringing you more artist profile birthdays. And I finally got some special guests to be on my podcast. So, in order for me to continue, then I need your help. Please subscribe. Go to anchor.fm forward slash Samuel Wilson Jr. forward slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Go to anchor.fm forward slash. Samuel Dash Wilson Jr. forward slash support, and keep listening to the Black Soul Music Experience podcast every Tuesdays. Available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for your support. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and I'm here with my special guest, my friend my Truman classmate, and my former church member, Miss Kim Smith. Now, speaking of Essence Magazine, I wanted to touch base on the Essence Music Festival that you just talked about a few minutes ago. Um, How did you get involved with the Essence Music Festival while you was at Essence Magazine?
1: Um, well, Essence was, so the official name of Essence was Essence Communications when I was there. So it had morphed from just a magazine to other areas. So Essence.com was part of it. Essence Festival was another part that generated revenue and helped to sustain the company. And so Essence Festival was just part of Essence. And so my involvement was the same as it was with the magazine and with the online presence, I secured advertisers. I worked with Fortune 100 companies um, to bring them in as partners in every aspect. We called it 360 partnerships, um, every aspect of the Essence Communications brand. And Essence Festival was the live event portion of Essence Communications that generated millions of dollars, hosted millions of people, created um, created a revenue stream for the city of New Orleans, during the hottest time of the year when people didn't really travel to New Orleans. So we boosted their economy through tourism Fourth of July weekend, um, which was unheard of, all while stimulating their economy. And so my involvement, like I said, was to prospect and pitch corporations to become partners in speaking to this untapped audience of black women. And so that in a nutshell is what I did with the Essence Festival as well as the Essence, all Essence um, all arms of Essence. All of the separate entities of Essence. So the magazine, the festival, and their online presence. I hope that was mate was clear.
0: <laughs> hey, yes um, were there a lot of musicians from different genres whether it was like uh, classic soul or today's R&B or hip hop where they were all part of the Essence Festival?
1: So yeah, there was definitely a transition so again, I started I was hired in 2000 I missed the festival in 2000 I got hired post the festival so my first I had attended the festival as a consumer before working with Essence, but 2001 was my first experience as a employee of the company and the Essence Festival. So in 2001, it was all R and (laughs) D. And um, how did you say it again? Smooth, what did you call it? um,
0: I would say, like, uh, Classic Soul and... T- classic Soul,
1: yeah. And you would have the Frankie Beverly. He was the closed-out knight. You had people like Luther Vandross and Aretha Franklin. And, you know, Aaliyah, I believe, performed... Was it the first year? But, again, it was all classic R&B or current R&B that was clean. Like there was no hip hop involved at the time. Um, You know, hip hop was, hip hop was considered still very young, even though, you know, it was 20 or so years old, right? 20 plus years old. Um, It was still considered young. And so, I think the founders of Essence that were still involved with Essence wanted to keep keep it in an area, keep the music in an area that they understood. And so, like I said, the people that I just named made sense for them. Gladys Knight, Aretha Franklin, um, Drew Hill probably. Drew Hill was probably in there, <laughs> uh, but I don't think they were singing the song song or no, that was, that was, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so it started off with the classic r and B, and then as time progressed, they sprinkled in a little hip hop here, a little hip hop there, and we had, you know, the likes of some of the most major artists that has ever performed um, hip hop, from the LL Cool Jays to the um, Kanye West, you know and the list goes on you know so it started out classic soul and you know current r&b smooth r&b and then it morphed into more variety
0: um now uh, speaking of the essence music festival i don't know if you heard it on the news uh, recently um, since we bought up hip-hop and since we are celebrating 50 years of hip-hop. You know, there were some new some new hip-hop artists that were there, and, including singer Janelle Monet. I don't know if you heard about it on the news, but, you know, it kind of getting a little, little edgy and maybe some audiences may not like it. And, you know, there's some, you know, there were some different, um, genres that were out there, but some of this might, might not, not not be for their taste and, and things like that. And, you know, when we heard from India, I re tweeting and saying like, this is not the Essence Music Festival that we knew from back then because now you're adding today's hip-hop artists. You're also hearing some some of the new singers, including Janelle Monet and just to name a few. Um, What's your reaction on it? Can you give me a little feedback on it?
1: Um, Absolutely. And yes, I absolutely heard the news. I am a consumer still of pop culture um, and all things black culture. So, of course, um, I try to stay abreast as much as possible. Now, I did not attend this year's festival, but I unapologetically agree with India Ari. Um, I believe that overall. hip-hop has taken a dark turn. It's not the hip-hop that we grew up on. <laughs> um, you know, and it's definitely not the type of entertainment that I want my nieces to be exposed to. And to be more specific, you're talking about Janelle Monae exposing herself, her breasts on stage, um, and Meg the Stallion, Working <laughs> um, and saying very vulgar lyrics through her entire performance. And listen, you said it, I'm a Christian first. At the end of the day, <laughs> when it comes to nothing else, I'm a Christian first. So all of this woman's empowerment, I, I, I think it's a, a, a crock of nothing. Um, that is not how we empower ourselves. I don't believe that's how we empower ourselves. I believe that if you're an adult in your own car, in your own home, listen to whatever it is that you want to. When I was growing up, there was Millie Jackson, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, Millie Jackson, you know, back then before she gotten a little raunchy herself, you know, some of the radio stations may not play some of it
1: exactly she was extreme if you listen to her her real albums which the kids were not allowed to listen to (laughs) but you know maybe our parents did or some of our aunts or uncles or whatever we understood that that was that information was for adults only and i don't believe that a lot of the people that attended um the festival knew what they were going to be exposed to and that herein lies the problem if i buy a ticket and missy elliott is on the stage or whoever else is on the stage and then you throw in somebody else that is going to act in very provocative suggestive ways and maybe i have my teenage niece or my teenage daughter or Younger, you know, then that's problematic. So saying all that to say I did hear the news. I do believe that It was too much um I've heard other reporters like roland martin talk about it as well people got up and literally left in the middle of the performances And yeah, it but you know something everything changes right so the the the, the, the new owners <laughs> and the people who organize this production is not they're not the same people who organized when i was there
0: so yeah you 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 know i'm glad i brought this up you know there's an old saying if you don't like what you see or what you hear on radio or tv you can either change it to another channel or just turn it off that's it just turn it off and just let your conscience be your guide and you know and and the reason why i brought that up because we see that the music is changing but not as the same as it was you know 30 or 40 years ago and and yes you know you know i'm a church deacon and we're both christians and things like that and we and we know that and you know as a dj myself You know, I'm always very careful on what do I play, you know, at some parties. You know, you have the dirty version, which you hear at the clubs, and then you have the radio and TV version, which is edited for radio and television. So, you know, as I do, you know, I did some, you know, gigs for my two little nieces. You know, I'm always careful. Make sure you have the clean version. We don't want to hear the dirty rated X version. So as always as a consumer and, you know, as a family, as an uncle of two nieces, you know, I'm always trying to be careful on which stuff do I play out there, especially, you know, for the kids. Just like you said a few minutes ago, you know, some were exposed to that and some had to leave. You know, this is not the same as it was back then. So like you said, you know, new owners have bought different things is you know it's all about money it's not about you know thinking about the community and and what it stands for how do we keep each other in love is it's all about the money It's not thinking about you and I you know it's it's all about the dollar green it always get the ratings up and and things like that so I had to bring it up so that's why I wanted to get your reaction on that I'm saying to myself did, Jan, did, did Janelle Monet show her boobs? <laughs> and I was like, wonder if Kim know about this? I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's like the old saying, you seven dirty words you cannot say on network TV or radio. That's the old saying.
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but I, I did hear, and I am in agreement, that it was over the top and unnecessary and i would have been highly upset and probably would have requested my money back had i been exposed to that unknowingly you know unknowingly without any warning there's certain places that you go to where you can expect to see nudity the essence festival concert is not one of them right (laughs) so the fact that i would have been blindsided you know i would have definitely you know, took issue with that, and and yeah, and those tickets are not cheap. Let's just be clear; those those are not cheap tickets. People have taken and saved and and sacrificed <laughs> to be able to you know buy tickets to a show that could have been once in a lifetime dream, and you know to expose them to that. It's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, same thing here. You know, it's something that, you know, it shouldn't be in an, a worthy manner. Now, the next question I wanted to ask you now, w- when I go to CVS or Rite Aid or Dwayne Reed slash Walgreens, I always see some music collections of those who have passed away. Now, did Essence Magazine do any music collections, you know, pictorials on musicians that? passed away down through the years?
1: Um. So because Essence was always targeted as the voice of African-American women, most of their memorials had to do with women who made grave impacts. So the Aretha Franklin's of the world, which there was a custom book created, you know, a custom memorial book um, created by Essence to honor her um, with never before seen, you know, photos and things like that. So yes, the answer to your question is yes. Do Are there pictorials that have been created by Essence in a magazine or book format? It's also, it's actually called the Bookazine, we would create Bookazines <laughs> um, of People who have really had a major impact on black women's culture um and there would be a memorial or memoriam or a salute to all of their contributions in addition to music so most of them didn't just perform music a lot of them were activists in some way shape form, or fashion so to help move the black women's culture forward, and so that would all be integrated into these bookazines. Um, so yeah, yeah, but we didn't do like the standard, like just a collage of artists because that wasn't our mission. Our mission was lifestyle, so it was more um, finance, entertainment, um beauty relationships, and you know everything within the lifestyle category. And so yeah, so we did it, but it was very selective and it was it it there was a lot to qualify to have a special edition created in your honor.
0: So Now, after you left Essence magazine, what were some of your memories uh about during the days that you worked at essence magazine
1: you know so it's only you know i say it's only been five years right because you know two of those five years the whole world shut down right (laughs) so it's really only been three years when you think about it because two years are just a complete blur um but what are my memories i mean the impact that that we had as a brand to help elevate black women who are often marginalized and as you know Malcolm X said many years ago but still holds true today the most disrespected um human are black women you know and so the fact that I contributed to the success of a brand that instilled empowerment, instilled knowledge and information, instilled positivity to this disrespected class of people. I mean, again, divine intervention. The divine intervention for me to never think, to think that I was going to be an attorney, a la Thurgood Marshall to help our people, right? Cause that's what he did. And doing a pivot while in college, going into communications because I fell in love with radio, but then end up working for a brand that was designed, completely created to help our people That was nothing but divine intervention. I was not supposed to be an attorney. I was supposed to spend 17 years at Essence as a top sales producer, generating millions upon millions of dollars a year to help keep this brand alive so that black women had a instrument that they could turn to each and every month, later on each and every day by going on Essence.com, seeing themselves, Seeing the opportunities that existed for themselves, like I could—that's all. That's nothing but die. divine intervention. And even the worst days there, meaning the most stressful days, right? <laughs> I would do all over again just to have a part in that type of impact for my people, for our culture, for Black women.
0: Now, if you wasn't working at Essence magazine, have you ever thought about uh doing or creating your own business?
1: Um, I have created my own business. <laughs> Which has a similar similar theme. Um, I have I don't know if that's part of this question, but th- to answer your question yes i have thought about it and i've also taken action and have created um, my own businesses yes
0: yeah the reason why i brought that up because you know in in 2021 you know after i've gotten vaccinated and boosted and then all of a sudden you know many people are always asking when is that 15 minimum wage supposed to be going up. That's why so many people were quitting. So many people, you know, are still, you know, way up in the suburbs and, you know, not thinking about coming in. And that's what you're seeing now. You know, so many people have left the companies that you just mentioned, you know, forming their own business. Some took an early retirement. Some have quit to find better jobs with better pay. And, yes, that's just, as I said, some people wanted to form their own business, you know, their own way, the way that they wanted to get um, their props on. You know, when you work for corporations, you know, they, you may not get what you wanted on your paycheck. It's something that you, you demand more. You know, it's like saying, you know, I want something more on my paycheck. This is not living from paycheck to paycheck. So that's why so many people are forming their own business the way that they wanted to have that. Do you agree?
1: I agree 100%. And I always, so I actually launched my own business while I was still at Essence. And what I noticed working at Essence was that travel, which is my passion, which is what brings me so much joy, seemed to be so foreign to so many Black women who didn't think that travel was possible. They didn't think getting a passport and visiting other countries was possible. And part of my mission and part of My business, one of my businesses, which the name is Black Travel and Culture, is to make travel understandable, affordable, and community-based so that, let's just say, I'm going to use you as an example, Sam. Let's just say you too have a passion to travel, but you have no one to travel with. You, either your friends, don't want to they don't have the money or the funds they're always saying yes yes yes, and then it turns out to be no 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 <laughs> but you still have that passion to travel well that's where the community comes in so black traveling culture is one of my businesses that creates these opportunities for solo travelers as well as other travelers to come together and experience the world um, through the eyes through our eyes and through our lens and our own experiences as black people so yes so that's one business and then i also consult um similar to what i did at essence i consult with companies to help them with their multicultural marketing strategies and where their messages should be and what type of messages what type of messages resonate with our culture? So, those are my two businesses Black Traveler and Culture. We have 112,000 people on TikTok. We have 20,000 people on Facebook. We have 30,000 people on Instagram. And we're just a community of people who either love to travel, want to learn more about traveling want to create some type of business within the world of travel but don't know how to do it so
0: well i see you have some good things on your plate right there we're going to take another quick break and we'll come right back to talk with more with my classmate and friend miss kim smith you're listening to the black soul music experience Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson, Jr., and I'm here talking with my friend and Truman classmate and former church member, Miss Kim Smith. So let's pick up where we left off. Um, Growing up, who was your favorite musician, whether it's an artist or group or band growing up?
1: So, of course, it is impossible to pick one, right? (laughs) As a music lover, and I mean a complete music lover from the Jackson 5s to the Doobie Brothers. (laughs) um, it's, It's hard to pick one, but I will say the artists that stay in rotation on any streaming platform that I have are Stevie Wonder, Shalimar, of course, The Jackson Five with Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And, you know, people like the Isley Brothers, The Temptations, I'm a classic soul girl. So if you can Thing and make my skin get goosebumps <laughs> then you know i'm i'm a fan forever and those are the type of artists that i still keep in rotation did i say stevie wonder oh my gosh Ooh,
0: wait. yes you did
1: i have i did okay <laughs> so yes have to include stevie wonder in that but i also went through a phase where i loved all of the bands like um ohio players you know, that just were musically gifted, like, you know, prints, you know, that you knew were put on this earth to do exactly what they were doing. And that was to either sing or play an instrument. So, yeah, I know that was not one person. And of course, you know, new edition, oh my gosh, new edition for life. (laughs) But yeah, it's hard to pick one, but those are the ones that stand out um, the
0: most. Well, same here with me growing up, you know, I've been dropped off at, you know, my maternal grandparents' house. You know, my maternal grandfather will play some Motown, you know, Stevie and Michael and Marvin and Smokey and Diana.
1: I can listen to Marvin's fun up the sun down. Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Motown and then Atlantic Records back then when you had Aretha, and some other artists including Clarence Carter and Otis. And then when he started playing Stax Records, he would pull out that Isaac Hayes LP called The Isaac Hayes Movement. I'm looking at that album cover, I'm saying to myself, is he swirling a bowl of cream of wheat on the front cover? And I'm looking at the back cover and say like, is he blinded or cross-eyed or something? And then when I open up the album cover, that was his trademark shades and chains that was his trademark and when I, I when i got into the song you know he would start talking or rapping which was called Ugolist statistic raps they would either talk or rap in and then segue into the song now he would take all of those classic songs and he would take it and strip it and stretch it as far as wide as the eye can see he would turn it from a three-minute song to a 10-minute or 13 or 15-minute song. Now, he paved the way for the late Barry White, and then Donna Summer moved in with her Love to Love You Baby song, which was 18 minutes, and that paved the way for the 12-inch singles. Now, you know me. I've been dropped up above every babysitter. My late aunt, my maternal aunt, she would play gospel music all day, whether it's James Cleveland or Shirley Caesar or any gospel groups or quartets. And then I'm dropped off by another babysitter. It will be Philadelphia International, whether it's the OJs or Billy Paul or Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes with Teddy and Lou Rawls. And then, you know, my stepfather, who's Jamaican, I would listen to his music. You know, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh or Byron Lee and the Mighty Sparrow and Gregory Isaacs, just to name a few. So, you know, I've been exposed to everything and my late mother had a couple of jazz albums. So I would listen to, you know, everything except for country music. (laughs) My late grandfather would, you know, um, you know, WHN, 1050, you know, country music, all that stuff, you know. You never see no black country singers except for Charlie pride, the only brother, but you know, when I did an episode on my black soul music experience on blacks and country music, I would have some of the country musicians, the black country singers. So I would do a little bit of everything, you know, the regular country songs, and then there was country hip hop back then. So, Jerry Reed and Dolly Parton—they were doing country talking or rapping—and that paved the way for country hip hop to move in. So you had new artists Breland, and then did this white girl called Savannah Dexter. She's country hip hop. And then I would close it out with some of the singers that that crossed all genres. You had Ray Charles and Lionel Richie and the Pointer Sisters and Linda Ronstadt. You know. They were the ones that crossed all genres and sung every genre. So that was, that, was, that was the first episode that I did, and I did research on it, and I went to the Smithsonian's African American History Museum, and I saw that banjo. I would have thought that all the banjo plays were playing it, but I didn't know that that banjo was made by us black folks from West Africa, and the fiddle too. And I I've seen some new country singers, like uh, Rhiannon Giddens, and and also some of the new, uh, I should say, some of the artists that we didn't know, um, Linda Martell, and uh, and yes, Charlie Pride, I just mentioned that, and some others that you know we didn't know, it wasn't in our history books, but once I went back out there, I said, oh my goodness, now this is an example or what we're seeing now with the CRT thing. There's some things that you and I don't want to know about our history, especially in music history. So that's something, you know, I touched based on, and that was something new and, you know, I may step a little toes on, on somebody, you know, some of the politicians that, you know, don't want to know it, like the heartland and stuff, but it it needed to be told and things like that now now we are living or dead which artists that you wanted to meet the most any artist that you wanted to meet the most
1: and you're specifically referring to music correct yes um again a very difficult question to answer if, you know, I'm just going to choose one. But if I had to choose one, and he's not a traditional music artist, but he's had hits. And I'm just going to say, Mr. Dale, Daylight come then we won't go home.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Harry Belafonte. Yes, 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 yes. He
1: would definitely be high on the list for many reasons. And many reasons related to music, but even more reasons related to his activism and what he, as a black man, experienced. You know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, 70s, as he was trying to, you know, perfect his craft and also make a living with his craft, but experiencing all of the isms that existed and still do, (laughs) I would love to, you know, have had a chat with him and was scheduled to in the offices of Essence with like four other people, but he took ill that day and um had to cancel and unfortunately was unable to reschedule and so yeah so i would say number 1 there's others but i would say to answer one person that i would love would have loved to have a conversation with is um harry belafonte and i guess equally i should choose i would like to choose a woman um and I'll keep it brief, but I would absolutely have loved to have a, I had a chance to meet her and hear her speak, but I would also have loved to sit down and have a conversation with Diane Carroll, who also is a non-traditional singer in the world of R&B and urban music. (laughs) But just from the speech I heard her give, this woman, was not only a wealth of knowledge but she had so many gems that she shared and i won't even say so many she she shared a lot of gems but i know there were so many more she would have shared with us had it not been for time constraints so i would say um harry belafonte and diane miss diane carroll yes
0: yes you know the only harry belafonte that i knew you know he was in movies you know mom and i we would go to the movies we went to see the movie buck and the preacher with sydney poitier and, and and also uptown saturday night again with sydney poitier and along with bill cosby and flip wilson and richard Pryor. now that was the harry belafonte that i knew and and yes he was he appeared on the episode of the muppet show and he was best friends with the late jim henson so and he was on sesame street too so that was the harry belafonte that i knew i never knew him back then as as a singer i only knew him you know as an actor you know in, in movies and in television as well and you mentioned Diane Carroll. When I was at AM 1460 WVOX during the Christmas Eve shift, I was looking through the Christmas LPs, and there were some various artists of Christmas songs. And then I looked, Diane Carroll? A singer? Wow. I mean, just like you said, you know, Diane Carroll have done so many. She She acts, she can sing, you know, she had a, couple of specials you know we all we all knew her from from julia back then and and the movie claudine and then claudine
1: is one of my favorite movies to this day but yes
0: (laughs) yes you know and 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 of of course she joined the cast of dynasty mom be watching dynasty every wednesday night on abc you know (laughs) That's, you know, that's when, when Joan Collins came in for season two and the ratings went up and then Diane Carroll, you know, joined the cast and things like that, you know, trying to, you know.
1: Devereux, I think, was her name.
0: Yeah, she played the character of Dominique Devereux. Yes. Yep. And all of that. <laughs> yes. So, yes, to, to Harry and Diane, thank you, you know, for breaking the, breaking the barriers and making everyone shine. Now, speaking of that, uh, as you know, we are celebrating 50 years of hip-hop. And as I mentioned earlier, when I was in Truman, I seen all the hip-hop fashions and, and, and things like that. So who are your favorite hip-hop artists, whether it's from back in the day or today?
1: Um. So, yeah, so I will, I'm all about positivity, upliftment, and people who are doing this, you can tell from a natural organic instinct versus a paycheck. So, let's just start with the teacher, (laughs) KRS-One, I'll start with the teacher, I'll go into, so we're talking pop hip-hop artists, KRS-One, Nas. um, oh my gosh, I was such a fan of Cool Dee because of his effortless vocal ability, like his inflection, his deep, thick sounding tone, um, LL Cool J, of course, I think he is one of the most prolific artists who, again, he's to me like a prince of hip hop. like the Prince of hip hop was put on this earth to do exactly what he does. Um, And then on, on the women's spectrum, um, it's interesting because I say this, I even have a t-shirt with the funky four plus one more. And even though they only came out with one album, (laughs) I think it was maybe two um, Shah rock who is the godmother of women's hip hop. I don't think it's enough credit for being the first to record a album um, with the Funky Four Plus One and Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill, oh my gosh, I don't care how late she is to a concert. That woman is gifted beyond measure. Um, and you know, I, I, I could go on and on probably, but I will leave it there for now. I have a, a like I was at the DJ Cassidy celebration at Radio City and he brought out fifty or was it yeah, fifty or 20, 50 or twenty five, I can't remember. <laughs> no, it must have been fifty artists. And I just had such great memories, you know, going back into time. Um, But I I could stop there for now. So that gives you a sense of the type of music that I still can listen to, to this day. Now, that's not to say I did not like Biggie, (laughs) because Lord knows, I could bump to a Biggie song or a Biggie album, but I also know the energy that that releases. (laughs) <laughs> and so, um, yeah, but those would be my favorites, the ones that I named, so the k r s ones, the cool moviesbys, the Shy rocks, the um nas, Lauren Hill, you know, yeah that would that would be the top of the list,
0: okay, before we go, it's time to bring me my Black Soul Music Experience Top 10 Black R&B Artists of All Time. So, are you ready, Kim? Ready. Okay, who should be at number 10?
1: Oh, you're asking me? Yes. I thought you were doing the list. I'm so sorry. So, um so oh my gosh, R&B. So we're going 10987654 that way? Yep. I'm sorry. I thought you were doing this. So let me I, I'll take a stab at it. Um number 10, I'll say The Whispers.
0: Ah, uh, yes, The Whispers. Um uh... They've been in the music business for a long time. Even though there, you know, there were some changes with with the groups, but they still sound the same. You know, special shout out to the twin brothers Walter and Scotty, and keeping the the group alive and fresh. Okay, who should be at number nine?
1: I will say number nine will be in my book donna summer
0: yes the queen of disco donna summer and uh she came out on the scene in 1975 broke out her song love to love you baby try me i feel love and everybody's favorite last dance and i got a chance to meet donna summer back in 1999 when hmv stores was in business at the time so i got an autograph from her you know i got a chance to meet her before she passed away in 2012 but then a year later she was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame so rest in peace to the queen of disco miss donna summer all right who should be at number eight
1: i'm gonna Say Tina Marie. I neglected to include her in my favorite um, of all times, but Miss Tina Marie, White Chocolate. I'm gonna have to put her at number eight.
0: Oh yes, Tina Marie. When I first heard this lady on WBLS, when the DJs was playing it, I thought she was black. But when I saw her on Soul Train Saturday morning on my birthday, October 18th, she was white. But she got soul, I'm telling you. That's right, the White Ivory Queen of Soul. So rest in peace to Lady T, Tina Marie. All right, who should be at number seven?
1: I am going to go with Earth, Wind, and Fire.
0: Yes, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Rest in peace to Maurice White, who founded the group. You know, they were known as elements of the universe. They would sing soul. They would sing or African melodies or gospel or message music. You know, they've been around forever. So during its inception in 1969 up to today, they're still performing as it is. And yes, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So they still keeping the music fresh, as it was back then, and it still is today. All right, who should be at number six?
1: Number six, I am going to select... Ooh. I'm going to select Rick James for his rick james i'm just going i love me some rick james and i don't think his name gets touted enough as a artist a vote excuse me a artist with talent as well as a songwriter producer so rick james
0: yes rest in peace to rick james i i mean he he done so much back in the late 70s and and 80s you know bringing the new funk and and everything so rest in peace to the one and only mr rick james all right who should be at number five
1: number five we're going to go with oh wow this is getting hard uh we're let's let's go with the Isley brothers
0: yes the Isley brothers there's still uh performing music, even though we're down to Ronald Isley and his brother um, who's on the guitar. So, you know, they're still performing and they're still keeping it real sounding and keeping it real. So, and give a shout out to the Isley Brothers. All right, who should be at number four?
1: Ooh, so we got four left. So let's add... For number four, I am going to say Teddy
0: Pendergrass. Yes, the one and only TP, Teddy Pendergrass. He started out as a lead singer for Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, then went on his own with a solo. He sold over a million of uh, records in print and and everything so he was still performing before and after he had an accident and before he passed away um he was still performing you know and still keep it fresh and you know and, and everything so rest in peace to mr teddy pendergrass all right who should be at number three
1: okay so number three. Oh. Wait a minute. Did I say the OJs yet? Not yet. Okay, so number three will be the OJs because, oh my gosh, when I tell you, I don't know that there's any other group that harmonizes better. Eddie's voice mixed with Walter's voice. Yeah, let's go with the OJs for number three.
0: Yes, the O.J.'s, you know, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2005. All of their top 10 hits, Backstabbers, Sunshine, Love Train, Family Reunion, Living for the Weekend, just to name a few. Um, yes, they had all those hits back in the 70s. All right, who should be at number two?
1: Okay, so I'm going to have to answer this question like this. Here's number two and number one, and you can interchange them because technically in my book, they're both number one. So I'm just going to say number two and number one, but I'm not saying it in that order. (laughs) So I'm just going to call out names for two and one. Stevie Wonder and Aretha Franklin.
0: Ah uh, yes, hands down, Stevie and Aretha. Yes, you know they were American musical award winners, Grammy award winners, and yes, they were both inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, they had a string of hits; all of them were top ten hits, number one hits. You know, everything, everything. All their songs were all good. They Got you on the dance floor and things like that. Now, I wanted to share something to our audience. I was watching the TV Land Awards back in 2005 uh, when they did the Pop Icon Award, you know, for Don Cornelius and Soul Train. So when they had Little Richard and Smokey and they had Maya and, yes, Stevie Wonder. When, When you see Stevie Wonder, everybody will be getting up when he's at the TV Land Awards and, and he made a surprise visit at the Academy of Country Music Awards. Back in 2015 on CBS, you know, Stevie Wonder came out at the Academy of Country Music Awards. I was surprised. You would never seen Stevie Wonder at a country music awards show, but this was the first. Every country music, uh, musician was standing up. I was like, man. If he would have done that, you know, all genres for all music, the world would be at peace. I say hands down to both Stevie and Aretha. Well, Kim, it is a pleasure to have you here on my podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out to be with me and sharing your memories at Essence Magazine and all of our favorite musicians. Thank you so much for taking the time out.
1: Thank you, Sam, for having me. This has been a walk down memory lane. And if you could see me right now, I am smiling (laughs) from cheek to cheek. This was so much fun. And I look forward to hearing this podcast as well as the others. And so I wish you continued success. And thank you
0: and you welcome and uh we want to let everyone know that she has her own thing called black travel and culture and if you're thinking about traveling make sure you reach out to my friend kim smith i will promise you you'll have something that is very affordable and reasonable now ladies and gentlemen if you want to hear this interview episode please subscribe by going to anchor.fm Slash Samuel Dash Wilson Jr. Slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Visit anchor.fm. Slash Samuel Dash Wilson Jr. Slash support. And please leave your messages. Go to anchor.fm. Slash Samuel Dash Wilson Jr. Slash messages. And please pass the word. Thank you for joining me as I close out this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. Well, that's about it for this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson, Jr. Thank you for joining me, and please tune in next week for an all-new episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please subscribe by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash support. You can also leave your message by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash messages. And please leave your feedbacks and your comments and your replies by going to my Facebook homepage. Go to facebook.com slash the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast. And you can also tweet me on Twitter at samwilsonjunior 66 As always, parting, remember this. Reach for the top and your dreams will come true and it can happen to you. From all of us, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening, have a good week, and please be safe.